people say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm horror host Trav, a.k.a. the Captain Creature himself. Joining me, as always, the theme queen herself, producer Kate. (laughs) Hi. And making his first appearance on the show, Mr. Uncle Greg Hagen. (laughs) Mr. Uncle Greg. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) So this guy has been giving me so much shit. About having uh, it wasn't like outright shit though. It'd be like little snipes, like little comments in the in the comment section and stuff, where he'd be like chopped liver and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, but I was like, man, we gotta have him on at some point. Um, finding the right movie for you was tricky, which we'll get into that a little bit later with what we decided. So, Uncle Greg finally on the show. Uh, do we want to do a uh, intro to some times? Um, I can't remember the, when the first time, I, I know I joined the family in 2007, mm-hmm. but it was a while before I started getting in with the boys, you know. With and, all my uh, gajillion uncles. Yeah, right. all, the, all the uncles and, you know, whatnot. But I have a couple times written down here. We we went to a fabled, a famous Def Leppard concert, and this, w- this included Slasher Rob, <laughs> Big Mike, <laughs> Slasher Rob's Rob Hodge. Uh, <laughs> Greg himself, um, PJ, uh, there was like, there was a bunch of people there. Brooks and, and Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Bro- <laughs> oh my God. How can I remember? I can, I, how can I forget him? Oh yeah. My dad and, and my husband were yeah special that night. So, yeah. so we had had probably into the teens of beers before we even left the house. And uh, it was just going to be one of those nights. By the time we got there, we we continued drinking, and um, actually got denied entrance. PJ did <laughs> actually got denied. I was entrance. so mad. <laughs> <laughs> actually got denied entrance into a concert, which I've never seen before or since. Brooks Brooks was like, "What are we going to do?" I go, "Screw them, leave them behind." <laughs> <laughs> we see him coming up. I remember uh, going up on that hill, and we were like, "I wonder where PJ went, man." Uh, but basically, they made him go back to the car and then head back. And you remember the shirt that he had on? The, the, the neon lime? green. <laughs> the lime green shirt. <laughs> and we were like, I wonder where he's going to come in from. Because, you know, you can get really lost in that fucking place. I think it was like Def Leppard, Sticks, Tesla. It was a big show. And we see this lime green shirt, like, all the way from the concession. It looked like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but at the end of that show, it was like um, in true, like um, sensible, like common sense. Uh, I'm a cop. You guys are dummies. Uh, form. Greg goes, <laughs> "Hey, we should probably get Brooks up before they arrest him because he's throwing up into his lap and shit." <laughs> <laughs> he was no, like, he was he was still on the ground at that point, and I I figured if you can't walk out. Oh yeah, you're yeah. you're not in a good spot. You're probably gonna get yeah. arrested or something. Yeah, it's gonna be a problem. I'm like Brooks, you gotta power through, man. Yeah. <laughs> so after we got through the gate, 
Brooks is walking beside us. He goes, hey, I made it. <laughs> yeah, it was during pour some sugar on me. And, and we were carrying, me and Rob Hodge were carrying Brooks out on our shoulders. Um, but yeah, so what happened to Brooks? Um, this may or may not have happened, but there was some uh, mystery cigarillos uh floating around and uh brooks may have got a whiff of one of those yeah he never and, could uh, hang with that and well there, that, that thing what might have been laced or because those guys fucking dipped we dude, always talk I, think, about <laughs> I think he got roofied dude <laughs> no he dude. didn't he just drank too much dude, and smoked too much. we always bring this up because <laughs> as soon as they saw brooks on the ground they look back they're still holding the the joint or whatever it was allegedly whatever it was and they look back at brooks and brooks is on the ground and they're just like <laughs> they dipped out yeah yeah they started walking up a couple of rows um and how could we forget the painting your cabin done in kunat um listening to billy idol's rebel yell and uh being so drunk that i was literally rolling the paint on the wall and then rolling into it like my body rolling into it that is just like so many good memories with this guy across from me man uh that's why like in those questions, I wrote, like, uncle slash brother slash, you know, uh, whatever. Because it's like, it's being a part of the Hagen clan is like, uh, it, it, it is like we're all brothers kind of thing in a weird, in a, in a, not a weird way, but. You're kin. Yeah, we're kin. <laughs> um, so, why don't we get into a little bit of Greg's intro and uh, why Greg is here today. So, Greg was a detective for a long time, and uh, that fascinates me, and I want to harass him from time to time and have him start up a PI firm and have me be one of his guys in the field <laughs> wearing a fedora and, like, a jacket and shit, really going into things. Uh, but what made you want to get into that type of career? Like, what were, what were the origins of that? Well, so I was a patrolman for 12 years, and kind of the progression within the police department is you have to do your time as a patrolman. 12 years is more than normal. Mm -hmm. um, but I originally went into the robbery unit and then from there transferred over into the homicide unit. That was kind of like the, the pinnacle. I mean, mm -hmm. that's like, if you're in investigations, that's the shit. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's the serious, most serious crime. No? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, rough. and what made you want to become a cop? Was it like, was it the Starsky and Hutch and, <laughs> no, and Miami I, Vice? No, I had no intentions on being a policeman. Um, Uncle Jeff, my brother, and I worked at a company on the east side together, and a friend of ours that we worked with got on the police department. This had to have been back in 91, maybe. And uh, his name was Phil, and uh, I went out and did a ride-along with him one night after he got off of out of his training and everything mm -hmm. and uh from that point on i was hooked um i i if you had told me at that a year before that that i would have been a policeman i had been like oh hell no i'm gonna be selling some shit or something <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna be on the other side of things <laughs> right um so i've uh i i wrote to you uh before the show and had you bring some cool stories slash creepy stories. Uh, one story I'm going to make you tell because you told me and it fucking blew my mind. But we can get that like at the end since it's a spookier side of things. But do you have any creepy stories from the job that you'd like to share? I, I did not witness this. Uh, this was all relayed to me from guys on the job and confirmed coincidentally by our, uh, our childhood and high school priest. 
but there was a story that some uh, older patrolman had told me about a house on the near east side of Indy that was haunted, like shit floating around the room, spirits throwing stuff, and people talking in tongues kind of haunted. Holy shit. Yeah. And uh, there was, the, so the story went that there was one patrolman in particular, a black gentleman, and any time he got dispatched to that house, he flat out refused to go to it because mm-hmm. he saw it one time and it freaked him out. Mm-hmm. And um, coincidentally, I was telling our priest this story after I'd heard about it. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was I was at that house when they tried to perform the exorcism on it. Holy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, would you call yourself a skeptic or do you believe in that kind of thing? Like um, we have a, we have in front of us a mat where it's like a, kind of like a Ouija board kind of thing. Does that kind of shit freak you out or? I wouldn't say it freaks me out. I, I'm I'm not a skeptic, but I'm also not a true believer. Mm-hmm. We have a joke within our house. Um, if Christine, my wife, will hear something or think she's heard something, or as you know, she works over in the crime lab. Well, mm-hmm. the crime lab used to be, the crime lab is in the basement of what used to be the original city county morgue. Mm-hmm. And their stories, Christine's told them where she's been in there at night and fucking chairs will move across the floor and shit. No, and, thanks. And so, yeah. oh. so she's a believer. Oh. And so my, my point to it is, is I, I think that that type of stuff exists. I think it exists more if you invite it in. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to play with the Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my, my running joke with Christine is like, oh, hell, if we have a ghost, son of a bitch ought to pay a bill or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> contribute, do some dishes or... <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, her telling a, and, and one of the reasons why that story stuck with me is because like it's a reputable source, right? It's like uh, I, I always saw Greg as like not like an outright skeptic, but like somebody that like wouldn't fuck around with something like that. You know, like if if it was like Jeff or like one of the other brothers, I'd be like, okay, like you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, whatever. Um, or like my dad. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like the a bullshitter. Yeah, real like fisherman, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so is there any other stories that you would like to tell as far you said you had one that was pretty funny? Uh, would you like to tell that one? Oh, oh, oh yeah. So we're here for horror movies. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Um, not too many horror movies that scare me, Mm -hmm. you know, they haven't over the years. I think, um, probably Poltergeist was the first movie that I ever saw in a theater and we can talk about that in a minute. Mm. But I've never been so scared as when one of my brothers scared the shit out of me. I had to been, I was probably around nine or 10 years old. And my older brother, your uncle Marty Mm -hmm. was babysitting us. And at the time we had a huge family and I shared a bedroom with your dad Mm -hmm. and your uncle Jeff. So I had been in bed and Marty was supposed to be babysitting us because my parents were out and, um, our bedroom door, we left the hallway light on outside, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I hear like this scratching on the door, oh, God. <laughs> and and your uncle was in in the bed, he he had the bed on the opposite side of the room, so he was in bed also, and I'm like, Marty, <laughs> and then under the under the door frame in the light I could see like movement mm-hmm. and now I'm starting to freak out 
because mm-hmm. the noise is increasing and increasing. And all of a sudden, the freaking door burst open. <laughs> Boom! And my brother's standing there. I didn't know it at the time, of course. Mm-hmm. And my dad's long trench coat raincoat with oh my, my mom's God. with my mom's knit stocking over his face holding a butcher knife with ketchup on it <laughs> oh my God. and i'm fucking freaking out screaming bloody murder at the top of my lungs mm-hmm. his intentions were to scare jeff mm-hmm. not me <laughs> he didn't think that through though, no did he? obviously not obviously not that's a creepy fucking image too like the stocking over that takes like some effort like to put the stockings over the face and stuff like that dude (laughs) i thought i was dead i hear you i dad used to tell stories about you know growing up with all you boys uh, for listeners who don't know um my dad and my uncle greg are they come from like a family with 10 kids Mm -hmm. and all boys but one my aunt mary and it's like the Lord of the Flies. When I think, when I hear these stories, it's like yeah. literally just a bunch of boys <laughs> left to their own devices, yeah. torturing each other. Dude, I remember the fucked oh up story uh, PJ used to tell where it was, um, you. It, it, I don't know if you were involved or not, or if it was Poe or whatever, but we used to get together and they would apparently put a baby doll on the end of a string and pull it across when cars Kessler would go by. Boulevard, yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. We were, dude. we were assholes, man. Oh, my God. Could you fucking imagine if you were driving one of those cars? <laughs> yeah. Remember, well, you're too young to remember, but back in the day, they had the little dolls that would crawl. They were battery operated. Oh, my God. So that's God. what we tied a string to it and pulled it across Kessler <laughs> Boulevard, which is like a major thoroughfare. <laughs> Oh it was a lawless God. time when you guys were growing up, truly. Mike, <laughs> that story like always stuck with me. I was like, holy shit, dude, that is fucking dark. Um, were movies always a part, now that we got to like your childhood and stuff growing up, were movies always a part of your childhood or did the family ever watch anything as a family? I know like back then it was like um, my mom you know, and my dad talked about it a lot on their episodes, but it was like Sammy Terry and stuff like that, like. Yeah, Sammy Terry was a huge part of my life growing up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so with I'm 53, and with my age, I can remember the first time that we, our family, got cable and my best friend got cable. Mm-hmm. So Sammy Terry was the go-to mm-hmm. before then, unless you went to the movies. Um, Sammy Terry was the shit, man. We, we used to watch him every weekend. I, I think, if I recall right, he ran two movies a night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, he opened up with his signature laugh, which I'm not going to try to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, George the Spider. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was my, my first exposure to that. But I can remember one of my first horror movies ever seen, and I don't recall what the media was or how I saw it, but it wasn't at the movies. would have had to have been Psycho. Okay. Um, obviously a classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A classic of film, not just even horror. You mentioned that uh, like Poltergeist was uh, seeing it in the theaters. Yeah. Like, freaked you out. How, how old were you at the time? Because that was, I think, 82 or 83. I would have no, had no. to have been in s- right around seventh grade. Okay. So me and my best grade school friend at the time, um, we rode our bikes to Lafayette Square Mall, mm-hmm. and he basically lived over by, which this isn't going to mean anything for your listeners, but by Ritter High School. It, mm-hmm. would, it, it was about a 25-minute bike ride through the backways and the fields and stuff. And um, 
Poltergeist was one of the first movies I remember seeing in the theater. And then um, Nightmare on Elm Street Ooh. was yeah, classic. Kate, <laughs> Kate just got me that uh, for my birthday. Yeah, that's the pretty The tongue awesome. on that seems like it was off of like a sex toy or something. <laughs> like it legit. Like, I was... Like, <laughs> I looked over earlier and I saw that and I was like, what the hell is Travis doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's that for anyone who doesn't know, mm-hmm. which you guys can't see what we're talking about, but I got him uh, a replica of the phone from Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street where like uh, Freddy Krueger's tongue comes out when she's yeah. talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so growing up in the 80s, uh, this is one of the things that we always connected on like right away was like music and the movies of the time and stuff and just pop culture of the time. Has it been weird for you seeing like, um, like, are you a fan of stranger things and seeing that, uh, era kind of, um, uh, what am I, what am I trying to re-represented? Yeah. Like romanticized or like people missing going to the mall. Like my friend at work, Gonzo, which comes up from time to time. He's a big creeper and stuff. Child (laughs) of the eighties went to Ritter. Uh, he, uh, talks about that period. He's just like, man, we didn't have any worry. We would go to the mall and just see what was happening and then like, just walk around and chill out. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, if we weren't going, going there to see movies, it's not like we went to movies every day, mm-hmm. but we would hop on our bikes at, in seventh and eighth grade and ride to the mall and go to the arcade, you Ooh. Know, the old quarter arcades. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that or we would just walk around and see what was going on and if you're lucky you had enough money to hit up orange julius <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or maybe if you were really really had a lot of money you could go to luca pizza and get a slice mm-hmm. yeah i remember uh so you mentioned arcades uh what was your favorite arcade at that time were you a pack were you a miss pac-man or a pac-man you mean the, the actual the game. game yeah the actual yeah games. Uh, i'd say pac-man first and then probably space invaders after that see the what's interesting is we have a connection with uh your son garrett hagan who will inch eventually be on the show as well uh but we used to hit up tappers here in india it's an arcade an adult arcade where you drink and stuff and then you you catch breakfast at the uh little place across the street at like 4 a.m where the guy <laughs> where the guy sweats sizzling on the grill and shit <laughs> peppy's grill yeah yeah peppy's grill <laughs> Um, somebody's already always throwing up outside, like all hours of the, of the day. Um, so like I said at the beginning, I've been in the family for a long time since 2007. Um, and when you're in the Hagen family, that means a lot of drink and a lot of socializing. Uh, but somehow it took me several years to learn that you used to read a lot of Stephen King growing up. Um, and I, I did, I never guessed that you were into horror novels. Um, and, and I guess it makes sense that you ended up being uh, like a, a homicide detective or something like that, um, you know, being into that terror. But what were your earliest memories or encounters with the work of Stephen King? I probably read my first Stephen King book, I want to say, in that same time frame around seventh or eighth grade. And of all people, it was my mother that introduced me to him. <laughs> um, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to had to go back through his works i honestly there i've read i've forgotten more mm-hmm. than what i've read my memory recall just sucks for mm-hmm. some reason um but i think one of my first books of his that i read was the gunslinger oh nice okay yeah and then um some others that jumped out were cycle of the werewolf uh and i'm going to pronounce this wrong because i always do but the talisman mm-hmm. and then thinner 
Okay, um, so you were into like some of his fantasy stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't care for his fantasy works mm-hmm. as much as some of his others. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that shit was a little out there for me. Yeah, yeah. But I read through it anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because the gunslinger was like king, um, which actually there's a reference in to a gunslinger in this movie. But the gunslinger was like Clint Eastwood in uh, like a Lord of the Rings type of right. like <laughs> setting or whatever. Um, so you grew up, uh, how did you get your King fix back in the day? You mentioned that your mom actually introduced you to King. Was she into, uh, like horror thrillers? No, or like not that? at all. None of that. So how did that come about? Not like, at all. I, I don't remember the exact way that it transpired, but mm-hmm. I, I, I may have picked up a book at the library or something and read one uh-huh. and she asked me if I liked them and then bought my next one and then it just snowballed from there mm-hmm. um after stephen king i'd say dean Koontz was another one that i read oh yeah but uh um, we were just talking about him on yeah our last episode <laughs> yeah and a lot of like if you grew up during that time period man and i obviously did not but my brother's a little bit closer to that time period it's like um the horror paperbacks and shit were just booming like they had them like at every store and you know it's just crazy to think about Okay, so getting into modern horror, you mentioned that uh, you're not so much a big fan. Like we went, we talked about Jordan Peele's Nope uh, uh, earlier on Facebook, and you said you're not sold on him and stuff. What scares you as far as like modern horror goes? Is it just like a tough, uh, tough sell for you? It's a tough sell, man. I I don't know if it's my skepticism mm-hmm. and or just all the shit that I've seen mm-hmm. <laughs> in my life and career that. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's, um, uh, it takes a lot for me for a movie to really affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the predictable parts of a movie where it's like, okay, some fucking thing's going to jump out, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've seen enough gore over my life that that doesn't bother me either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the, the things you've seen in real life are much scarier than yeah. <laughs> oh, there's nothing more horrific than an autopsy on a body. It's mm-hmm. it's the worst thing you can imagine. It, mm-hmm. It's all purely science, but it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you and Christine talking about the smell, like <laughs> the distinct oh, dude. smell. When they take the saw out, so they, they have to cut the crown of the, the skull off mm-hmm. to do the brain exam. And when they do, so what they do is they, they cut across the forehead here and... Mm-hmm. Wow, we're going down a rabbit hole. This oh, is yeah. awesome. This is the good stuff. Though. Yeah. This is the good stuff. So they, they peel the scalp back mm-hmm. like that to expose the skull. And then they take literally a sawzall, if you know what that is. Yeah. Well, it's not a sawzall. It's more of a uh, reciprocating blade mm-hmm. that goes like that. And they cut the crown of the skull off. And that smell, if I smelled it right now, I would be like, somebody's getting autopsied. Oh my! Oh man! Mm-mm. Yeah, I remember. No, I'm, yeah, I remember Christine uh, <laughs> talking about the distinct, the distinct smell of that. Um, so if that's uh, if that's not a good uh, turning point into our movie of the night, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, the movie of the night is The Mist, 2007, yeah. directed by Frank Darabont. So this is the part of this of the podcast where. The Captain Creature kind of mumbles on for a little bit uh, with his CTE-laden brain. Um, 
So directed by Frank Darabont, written by Frank Darabont. He wrote the screenplay for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, uh, the 80s version of The Blob, and The Fly Part 2, which is better than The Fly Part 1. Dude, The Blob is a movie that I remember on Sammy Terry like it was yesterday. Oh, the original Blob with oh, Stephen yeah. King? Oh, it, yeah. It was, it was so 1950s at the time i think is oh, when yeah. it came dude it was it was hor- <laughs> it was horribly awesome yeah oh yeah uh he also created the walking dead for amc any fans are you guys any fans of the walking dead i've seen a few episodes mm-hmm. but no not really although he left after the first season as far as stephen king's stuff this is his third adaptation of his work the first two being shawshank redemption and the green mile uh, synopsis: A freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town, where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. Uh, based on the short story by Stephen King, which originally appeared in Dark Forces, and later in my personal favorite King story short story collection, Skeleton Crew. Uh, cast: Thomas Jane as David Drayton, Marcia Gay Harden as Miss. Uh, Carmody, uh, Lori Holden as Amanda, uh, Andre Braher as Brett as Brent. Andre's an awesome actor. I oh, like yeah. him. Oh yeah, Toby Jones as Ollie Weeks, my personal favorite character in this movie. <laughs> uh, William Sadler as Jim, and uh, let's see, I don't think anything else. Nathan Gamble as Billy, as Little Billy. Uh, Frank Darabont put together a black and white cut of the Mist for the two disc DVD and Blu Ray release of the film which is sadly pretty hard to find. Uh, this version I recommend to all listeners because it makes the film feel like more of a 1950s uh, monster flick, like you referenced The Blob. Um, Frank Darabont adapted new ways of directing before doing The Mist. He did this after a few episodes of The Shield that he helped with, uh, really loving the, the freedom and the palate-cleansing nature of working on TV. Um, the origins of Darabont doing The Mist go all the way back to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, when he was deciding which project to try to adapt first, Shawshank Redemption or The Mist. Um, he ended up writing and directing Shawshank first, but in the 2000s, Darabont was ready to return to one of his original loves, which was horror. Uh, horror and monster films. Uh, Dimension Films, the Weinstein brothers, was... They were interested, but offered half the budget and half the time Darabon was used to, but that also allowed him a pretty free reign on the film, and Frank Darabon made them agree that the ending was not to be changed. Um, Darabon went on to say on Mick Garris's podcast, Postmortem, which I highly recommend to any horror fans, um, that the budget and shortened time was a blessing in disguise because... Because of the limits, it made them do it stylistically in a way that made the film feel more intimate and unique. Uh, the book versus the movie ending. Were you familiar with this book, Greg? Yes. Um, I actually read the book. Okay. Yeah. Right. See, I've never read the book. I know like uh, similarity, similarities and like some differences and stuff. Uh, Steve King himself has been quoted as saying that he actually prefers the film's more darker ending. Uh, He goes on to quote, when Frank was interested in the mist, one of the things that he insisted on was that it would have some kind of an ending, which the story doesn't have. It's more ambiguous. Um, It just sort of peters off into nothing where these characters are stuck in the mist and they're out of gas and the monsters are around, but you don't know what's going to happen next. 
when Frank said that he wanted to do the ending and that he was going to do that he was going to do, I was totally down with that. I thought it was terrific and it was anti Hollywood, anti everything. It was nihilistic. I liked that and I said so I said, Go ahead and do it. Uh, how the mist was created, like the mist itself in the film, uh, because that's a big part of this film, obviously. Uh, Frank Darabont create, uh, credits Daryl Pritchett at, for creating the special effect of the mist that allowed it to remain just outside the interior shots, creating a border between the outside world and the inside world, uh, controlling the mist. In the particular scene of the loading dock, for instance, the mist outside was kind of in a contained tent area so to create that effect of the mist being this barrier you know when they open the door and the mist kind of stays there Pritchett would just alter the temperature of the inside room which would manipulate the mist kind of retreat or you know not to enter the room which is kind of cool okay so all babbling aside Uncle Greg what is your initial reaction to the mist I know uh, were you familiar with this one before yeah I had read the book and but then watched this same movie before mm-hmm. um so familiar with it I had to you know a lot of it as i'm watching it, i'm like oh yeah i remember that part i remember mm-hmm. that part because again my book and movie recollection is horrible <laughs> <clears throat> um man i like this movie because it had that level of suspense mm-hmm. where like during the movie I'm, I'm trying to think of an example direct to the movie um like when the first guy goes out into the mist. Oh, yeah. And it's like, dude, don't fucking go out there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? You, yeah. you ever talk to a movie like that? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the kind of suspense I like because although it's not scary, you can mm-hmm. feel it building up in your body mm-hmm. to where it makes you want to talk to the TV screen to react. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that I was like uh, – it was kind of like the way it was shot too, it feels like you're there. Like that's why I dug like so much like the camera work and stuff in this one because it's like – it feels like you're literally in the damn uh, store with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as like holding up and stuff, did you think it held up over the years? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, All right. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, here comes Producer K. Here we go. <laughs> I'm about All to right. flip this table. No, listen – I saw this when it came out because 2007 uh-huh. was my, the year I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing it in the theater and being, and to this day, I will say the ending of this film is probably the most tragic. <laughs> oh, it's fucked that up. I've, that I've seen in any, in oh any my film. God. Um, just tragic, yeah. <laughs> which we'll, we'll get to it and we'll explain <laughs> again for anyone who needs their memory jogged. Um, but if you've seen this, you probably don't need your memory jogged about what happens, but um, the story, the characters, um, the scenarios, like where they find themselves, you know, with this, you know, religious fundamentalist zealot, crazy nutcase lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the interesting kind of society that formed within that, mm-hmm. uh, grocery store when the mist fell, um, and there was all this unknown on the outside mm-hmm. was just really like that. All that stands up. Yeah, definitely the lends into the suspense part of it with the infighting of the groups and yeah. the religious zealot getting everybody worked up and in essence dividing the group and everything else. I thought that was a good part of it. Yeah, the, the story and the themes, I think, hold up really well. The, mm-hmm. the thing I don't and the mist looks good still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whenever you see one of the creatures sort of in silhouette within the mist that holds up 
mm-hmm. but the scene where you see like the bugs coming in and you actually see them in great detail the cgi of it i don't think it looks that good these days yeah it's like a, it's a little bit dated for sure i mean it doesn't um, look terrible but it's certainly not it looks real fake mm-hmm. you know it looks really computer mm-hmm. damn generated. that was 15 years ago yeah <laughs> i know she's so hard on I'm her just, right i'm yeah. just saying like there are things that don't hold up and i feel like there's there's movies from like the 70s and you know where we look back on their special effects and how they mm-hmm. were able to create these their, their different creatures um and they still look good to this day mm-hmm. and i part of me wishes like they hadn't gone cgi with it i know it yeah. kind of maybe would have been a lot harder and taken a lot more time to get these flying you know flying creatures and um but still I remember um, this was when I first saw this. This it came out in 07. So we we would we had this kind of um, we would rent movies and uh, order Donato's Pizza, which is why I'm morbidly obese to this day. <laughs> but uh, I remember my stepdad Frank at the time. They had watched this movie uh, the night before, and um, this was one of the few times where I got pissed off pissed the fuck off with my stepdad uh, Frank. And not many times did we like ever like get like really really mad at each other but we were sitting there eating pizza and uh he not nonchalantly says uh yeah that movie was great but it sucks that he had to shoot his kids just before the military rolled up and i was just like motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) i was so fucking pissed off man i like threw the movie and stuff because this is one of those movies where like if you do know the ending it does like it, it it's still a great movie, but it fucks you up. You know what I mean? That movie's that ending is supposed to punch you. It's supposed to be a gut punch and stuff. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was kind of reeling, and I was a teenager. Like I had no reference for what it's like to have a kid mm-hmm. of my own. Uh, you know, back then, mm-hmm. and even not knowing what it feels like to have a kid, and putting my trying to put myself in that situation, like what would I have done, or if I did that. What would I feel mm-hmm. like even as a high schooler, you know, mm-hmm. with no real problems, I was just like reeling from it too. All right. It's so do, rough. You, do you want to set up kind of the plot of this? It's very <clears throat> sure. simple. Um, like we mentioned earlier, it's very throwback to films like, you know, like Night of the Living Dead, which is like one of my favorite types of films where people are all stuck somewhere and something's on the outside. But yeah. And, it, and if you have anything to interject, go ahead. Like as she's talking. Yeah, I'll kind of walk through the kind of the big, this movie is pretty well organized into like kind of chunks of Mm -hmm. activity and like happening. Um, And I won't really belabor all the little things, but Mm -hmm. I'll spend some time on the initial setup. So you come in on this town, they're in, remind me, like upstate New York. Uh, they're always like in Bangor, Maine. Castle Rock. (laughs) I actually made that note because... uh, in one of the opening scenes, I think it was a, a truck or a news truck or something went by and it said Castle Rock's time oh, nice. on the side of it. And he always has some sort of reference to Bangor or Castle Rock. Or... Mm-hmm. All right. So they're probably, you know, they're on the East Coast somewhere, some mountains. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it you you come upon, there's been this big thunderstorm. Uh, the main character, what's his name, David? Yeah, David. Um, David is um, an artist who makes, you know, movie posters and... Uh, uh, this big storm has kind of wrecked like everyone's house. All these trees are downed and they've, you know, he's like talking to his wife, you know, he has a young son, um, Billy, who is a big part of this film too. Um, But anyway, they're out and they're like, 
we got to deal with our neighbor over here. Mm-hmm. Um, they've you you find out they've had some you know beef. Yeah. They've had beef. Yeah. <laughs> they they've actually sued you know had to sue him to about stupid property stuff. What what and big show is he on? Because Katie Curran Rose Brooklyn Brooklyn Nine Nine. Okay. He plays Homicide, Cap- Life on the Streets. Yeah. He plays yeah he plays Captain Holt uh, on Brooklyn Nine Nine. But anyway, uh, it was weird seeing him now out of sight of his comedy role. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they have beef with him and he, and everyone's kind of shook by the storm. So he, he goes over and he's really nice. Dave is really nice to Mr. Norton is what I think his character's name Mm -hmm. is. And Mr. Norton is this big shot attorney from New York city. And he has this, you know, vacation home. Uh, and he looks down on the, on the, the people who live in this town. Uh, I think he knows that his neighbor is, you know, an artistic type, a more progressive type, you know educated he went to college and things um but he a college boy yeah but still like he still looks down on everyone else in the town and this all comes into play later um and he thinks of them all as kind of like redneck townies right Mm -hmm. um but anyway uh they are actually kind of cordial with each other and they um all drive into town uh with the exception of the mom and wife which always struck me as odd I, yeah, well, because the doctor, that is a little Ms. odd. Well, yeah. Mr. Norton's car got smashed by a tree, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's like, "I actually like," and I guess this is a thing people do after a big thunderstorm. They go to the grocery store. Got to go get the milk and the eggs. The thing and is, stock up. <laughs> the thing world's is, ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually they they tell you to do that before the storm, so I don't know. But but yeah, everyone's kind of flooding into town to try to go get provisions because the power is out most mm-hmm. places as well. Um, and I guess they're thinking, you know, if the power is out, I'm going to starve all of a sudden. I don't know. But anyway, everyone goes into town. Um, these The three, the dad, David, Billy, his son, and Mr. Norton. Uh, and this is where shit really goes down. They're in yeah, the this grocery is one store. Of my, so right before we get there, this is one of mm-hmm. my favorite scenes of the movie because it's kind of like that impending doom, right? Because like they're on the road and him and Norton are like kind of being cordial and stuff. And Billy's asking you see like tons of these military trucks go right, by right, right. Mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, something's fucking going down. Well, and they like, weren't just kind of leisurely going out of yeah. town because they knew that there's a base, a military base nearby. Um, but they're like speeding out of yeah. town. Uh, and it is a good point. They kind of foreshadow the, the root cause of all this um, at this point, because Mr. Norton's like, Oh yeah. You know, they have the, the military has a base that they're, they're doing the arrowhead project Project arrowhead. Yeah. Um, and he, he's like, well, it's like some people say it's missile defense. Some people say they got frozen alien bodies up there, you know, like it's all just conspiracy, you know? Theories. Yeah. I remember I made that CERN joke. CERN t- just turned on, this is getting into a little bit of conspiracy and off topic, but CERN <laughs> just torn- <laughs> CERN torn- turned on their, uh, latest, like, um, I don't even know what the fuck it, it is, like a particle generator or whatever. Higgs. They're trying to, the yeah. And on. Greg, Greg was like, this was in the group me, the, the famous group me. And Greg was just like, what, what is that? Like some kind of nerdy thing. And Danny and I were like the only ones that knew what it was. And it's going to kick us into a like, new oh, timeline. Yeah. Parallel universe. Yeah. Just watch the mist. But I had to Google happened. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that does come into play. Oh yeah. Um, that that is kind of central to, to why the mist comes down and why these creatures are suddenly on earth in this area but um anyway uh this mist has been rolling in people have commented on it like i've never seen the mist come off the mountain like that or whatever mm-hmm. um and the mist has kind of like taken over 
around the store and people are just thinking, oh, this this is weird. But suddenly, and keep in mind the power's out in the store, so they're just doing everything manual. Um, and a man comes running in. He's like, his nose is bloodied. He's got blood all over his clothes. And he sc- screams, there's something in the mist. Uh, and that's where this movie really starts, right? Uh, well, I guess this is where shit kicks off, I should yeah, say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, And so they all are like, just like, shut, sh- you know, lock everything up until we kind of figure out what's going on. Um, and so you start to see me and that's what they do. And you start to see immediately, um, people freaking out. There's a mother, uh, for instance, who's like, I've, I've got to get home. I've got to get home to my kids. And they're like, well, your kids, they'll be fine. Like they, but she reveals like, I left my eight year old watching my young other child. I have to get home. Now, would that be you? Or would you be like, fuck them kids? I would never have left my kids home if they're that young. Yeah. Like, that's just not a thing people do. She is, she lives very really close by. I get she probably thought she could pop in and out. The kids but can like, fight off the spiders by themselves. I've seen too many horror movies to know not to leave my kids home. I'm not staying in that goddamn store. Really? I'm, okay. I'm fucking out of there. So you would have been with Mr. Norton's crew. I'd have been like, I'm taken out. going to my car. Yeah, you would have gotten taken out immediately. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what happens. You see these factions forming within the store, right? So right. you've got a faction of, like, sort of intellectual types who are, like, trying to problem solve. Like, how can we get communication, you know, how, how like, they're thinking about how do we get rescue? How do we get communication set up? Like, what's, you know, what actions do we need to take to do that? Um, and then you see uh, David and his son and he gravitates towards all the teachers like Mm -hmm. um and like sort of the gentle like female um kind of energy because his son is freaking out and he's wanting his mommy like all these things um the mechanics and guys like that like and then there's alpha yeah Yeah, there's these alpha dudes my non-believer mentality would have screwed me (laughs) i'd have been been the first one gone (laughs) yeah and then you've got like all these alpha dudes kind of you know blue collar guys that um think of themselves as like kind of like they probably think like oh i've got a lead i've got a like i know things well ollie has a great line uh during this part when they go back to uh start up the generator and open up the door yep ollie's like um they don't know how to fix that that problem in there so they see a problem they can fix so they're like all right let's do this yeah and they and they make a point so that's this is where you know another big chunk of activity happens this is where you find out there's some like what actually may be in the mist um those guys these like alpha dudes and um uh this young teenage bag boy who wants to kind of prove himself useful yeah norm uh norm and and then david um and ollie ollie is like he's a store worker who is just like this sweet guy good head on his shoulders good instincts kind of a nerd like nerd doughy type he, remi- yeah. he reminds me of Radar from MASH. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember MASH. Yeah, that's a little little yeah, too old. Dated yeah, reference. Right. <laughs> Ask Uncle Marty. He'll yeah. tell you all about yeah. it. But, um, yeah, so it's like David and Ollie are kind of in the same mindset. They're, they're just trying to stay calm and think about, like, human. Like, their human empathy and their, like, logical brains, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, these guys are like, th- like you said, here's a problem I can fix. Let's go turn on the generator. And he's, they're like, Ollie's like, dude, the food will keep without Mm -hmm. the generator on. We don't need the generator. Like, there's no reason to go and risk someone's life to turn that thing on. And um, David insults them 
by saying like basically like do you have a brain in your head this is stupid yeah that's i'm i'm glad you pointed that out and because that he kicks was, in that macho yeah. toxic like he did say like are you guys dense or what yeah not have been like fuck you dude like too also. yeah that ratchet the, that well, that actually probably drove them to actually do it more than their mm-hmm. initial want to do it um they felt slighted and so they're like fuck you man i'm gonna do like i'm gonna show you i'm right mm-hmm. and um so this young guy david is all the while trying to convince them not to, like he's a kid he's a kid he's a kid don't send him out don't let him go out and they're like he wants to like let him even the kids like <laughs> david you're a pussy yeah right. and yeah and they're they're poking fun at you know the door opens and the two locals are poking fun at everybody about all oh, you know laughing See, and i'm and the whole time i'm thinking to myself with that whole suspense thing i'm like Close the fucking door, man. Yeah, it's yeah, very, like, very effective. See, there's nothing. And then these massive, this massive tentacle with, like, teeth in it, like, comes in, uh, immediately, like, starts tearing bits of his body off of him and is, like, pulling him. And then, there, like, chaos ensues. I thought, I will say, so you went after the CGI in this film earlier. You went after I don't it think brutally. That looked... You went after it brutally. Mm. <laughs> it seemed rough. I, I I did think though, like um, the tentacle looked pretty good. The effect when the tentacle would like latch itself to the boy and then rip off like immediately, like it was like kind of like a needles or something. It would go and like all this blood, like this patch of skin like would just you, come off. If you velcro like, velcro ripped oh, your skin God, off, god, yeah. dude, that shit is so hard to watch for me. Mm-hmm. This is interesting, though, like, now that we're, so we're at the store, Mm -hmm. like, er, all these people are at the store, which is, like, horrifying in and of itself, like, picture you're at the local Kroger. Every time I walk into Kroger, by the way, I think about this movie, like, legit, (laughs) I'm not just saying that, like, every time I walk into Kroger, I think about this this movie. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you both, because you said, Greg, that you would dip, like, would you be out, like, immediately? Like, would you be back to your car to, like, try to drive it out, or... Yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm I'm out of there. Now, wh- now, why is that? Would that be like I'm not waiting around to see what's going on? Well, or... I, first thing I would would have happened is when I w- was in there and the power went out, I would have immediately known that my groceries weren't gonna get rung up, and I'd have been like, I don't have the patience for this. I'm out. You would have. Oh, I would it. not you... have stood in that line. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. no I... While while I forget the character name, the little teeny teen girl that got killed while she's calculating Sally. everything up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have been grabbing TVs and shit and fucking Looting. heading out the door. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly I probably would have been in the been on in the same kind of realm of like the teacher, the blonde, the new teacher to town. Um, hate to say it, but now you like to think that, but no. you do hate going grocery shopping though, don't well, you? Well, I never would have gone to the grocery store in the first place. So my <laughs> ass would have been at home dead. Web, what's the worst place turned to get into caught a in? spider's web or whatever they is do. that the worst place to get like where this mist rolls in is that like the worst place to get stuck in or would it be like a worse place oh uh, what to get stuck in a grocery store would yeah. be honestly ideal if you don't know how long you might need to survive you're in there with all that food and all those supplies mm-hmm. like yeah that would be the ideal place to get stuck if you're going to get stuck but the problem is you have to deal with all these other people yeah. and, and everyone wanting to make decisions for our group and mm-hmm. that's the whole point of this film is you see how difficult it is when all these strangers are together uh, in a disastrous scenario with a lot of unknown outside uh, the, and a lot of fear of that unknown, mm-hmm. um, fear for their lives. Um, and then you have resources that are now 
look, people are looking around thinking this might be limited. We don't know how long we may need to make this last. We don't know how long, if we're going to be able to survive, you know, and <clears throat> that, you know, that's what makes this, this movie so interesting is just watching all of those, these scenarios play out. So, mm-hmm. um, we said chaos ensued back mm-hmm. in where they're in the loading dock. Uh, they get, they finally get the door closed again. They're chopping off tentacles. Um, and so they have some evidence of a tentacle back there. Um, and they stupidly, in my opinion, don't immediately stick that thing on rollers and bring it out and be like, <laughs> guys, would you have touched it? How like, would, how would you have picked it up? You, there's tons of stuff back there. You could just like pick it up with something else. I don't else. know about you that. Don't Dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm poking it. I'm going to examine it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would you, you poke it, make sure it's not going to like, you know, grow legs and come back to life and then mm-hmm. like load it up and go and show people. Um, but instead they're in their mindset. They don't want to freak everyone out and cause hysteria. Well, I mean, everyone's hysterical fucking anyway already. So like they come out and they're like trying to tell people calmly and they, of course, pretty much go to that group of problem solvers I mentioned in the beginning mm-hmm. with Mr. Norton, who are like, we got to get out of here. We got to get rescue. Um, and they're trying to tell them what just happened and that, like, this is the true, like, it's truly dangerous. Like, do not go out. It is not safe. And Mr. Norton thinks they're all just fucking with him and trying to, like, play a prank on him. Well, and I think, like, some racial shit gets involved there, too. Like, he, he kind of looks mm-hmm. at it like, and that's where I kind of had, like, his benefit of the doubt or whatever. Because he, he's probably thinking, like, these good old boys are trying to, like, get one over on me, like, make an ass out of me. Like, because, mm-hmm. you know, that town, you know, maybe, you know, those mechanics and shit might not be the nicest guys around. Like, because he points at one of them. And he's like, I've heard you talking behind my back, like, all the time and shit like that. Yeah, it's very subtle. Um, but, yeah, you can tell that there's there's bad blood with most mm-hmm. of the people that are in this group telling him what he doesn't want frankly to believe is true um and you see this happening you see how people these all the different people like when they're under stress what they kind of what their coping mechanisms are um mr norton is one of the like problem solving types uh who's like he's made up his mind and he's right no one else is um mr but norton then you, is greg hagan he's like i'm out of this there, there is a great scene a, a great part of this scene actually i love is the manager of the store um ollie has grabbed a beer at this point because he just saw something super traumatic this kid just got that he knows and worked with just got brutally killed um eaten alive pretty much and so he he's drinking a budweiser and his manager comes up and is like ollie you're drinking on the job i'm gonna have to write this up like you see this guy's like worried about bureaucracy right now (laughs) in, in a life and death situation um and ollie tells him to shut the fuck up and listen i just love that um, but anyway, that's cut. That's when you get this next big, you know, series of events where um, this group is w- with Mr. Norton and they're like, fuck it, I'm going out. And you have a couple people who are like, you know what, actually, I believe like I, I believe that you might be right. But like, we could probably use that shotgun. Am I, am I in the right? Yeah. Series? Yeah. So one guy, we might, we might need that shotgun that you have in your car. R- tie this, r- tie the rope around me. Um, and, you know. One guy's kind of like... If you need to cut me loose, cut me loose kind of thing. And it's that biker dude. The biker guy's like, if I have to go out there, like, okay, like tie rope around me, we could use that fucking shotgun. Because they only have one gun that, uh, you know, and it's like, obviously it comes in handy. But the biker guy's like, all right, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to at least get something. And I should have mentioned Mrs. Carmody 
a huge part of this film as well is a religious zealot nut job like we mentioned mm-hmm. before and she in the you know she has been spouting off you know scripture and saying all these things that she thinks are the end of, these are the end times this is god's wrath for us ignoring him and not being devout or whatever and people are they're ignoring her for the most part and they're just being they're annoyed by her for the most part at this point um yeah she pissed me off yeah <laughs> i think she does does most people but like most people even the people she that ends up like kind of convincing by the end or even like kind of just brushing her off um but the smart people um which are most of like the the more educated kind of progressive people like the teachers they see this day in and day out right like religious nut jobs coming in and telling them all kinds of things so like they're like she is they've read a lot of books too that have these scenarios in and they're like she eventually is going to be dangerous which is something david mentions yeah the jim jones yeah he's like she's she's going to whip people into a frenzy and then we're going to have to worry about if like who she's going to convince the mob to sacrifice to the miss next. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be my kid kind of thing? And he's right. That is exactly what happens. Yep. It's and, totally foreshadowing. And we can get into like the, like one of the themes that I think King does so well, as far as like in his books, a lot of his stuff actually like the stand and a bunch of stuff that comes into play was like, uh, like human beings kind of being stuck somewhere and humans being scarier than what's outside. And that's, that's in a lot of like good stuff, like George Romero's zombie films and stuff like that. It's like human nature and what people do when shit goes wrong. Like we had that discussion, uh, right after the podcast when we, we did on Nope where it's like, um, do we think that humans are inherently good or do we think that that's like kind of like a social contract to where like once shit goes wrong, it's total like once shit goes bad, it's every man for himself kind of thing. And, and there's I think a that- there's a whole conversation, a scene where they have that conversation mm-hmm. of where the 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 younger teacher is like, I refuse to accept, you know, that that we like that th- things are all gonna go south because every man's gonna think for themselves and we can't like form a community in here and and look out for each other. Um, and she's like, I think people are inherently good. Um, and you find out, unfortunately, <laughs> that the other guys are probably, are pretty much right where they're like, yeah, I have no faith in humanity. And she's like, she has faith in humanity. Well, like you can't have only one person having faith in humanity to make that work. Everyone's got to think that way. Now, as far as like you're in this situation, would you be more in line with like, Hey, we can kind of sustain a, an environment here. That's like peaceful and we can get by with all the food that we have and stuff or do you think that humans like now you've seen a lot of shit as being a detective and stuff let's just be real do you think that humans are inherently good or do you would you see that like okay this is going to get bad quickly so i that's one of the other things i liked about this movie because it it touched on that human emotion and you've watched other movies or just heard other news stories over the years and you see this um Stockholm syndrome is one thing that comes to mind, but it's not the perfect example um, for this movie. But I, I like this because it touches on all that human emotion. You've got the religious zealot, you've got the critical thinkers, you've got um, you know David's. You base basically you had three different groups of people within that store. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that are all working. So the long answer to your story is, I would like to think that 
people inherently are, are good and would like to work together for the common good of the cause, but then you see some of the stuff that has gone on in the world, and it's like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, it's I like, mean, we're talking about the pandemic. Like, look what happened. Yeah, oh, I'm going out and getting 40 rolls of toilet paper. Yeah, you saw and, people going out and hoarding toilet paper. And, and then selling it on and, eBay. Yeah, yeah, and then and price gouging people in the middle of a crisis, which is uh, illegal to do. Um, yeah, it's but like when, when I push down When people think it's end times, to, like, yeah, that's what he get, said, laws go out the window. I pushed down that pregnant woman to get that bottle of Lysol. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it's... A similar it, scenario, different. It um, is scary to think about, though. And, that, like, that's why I think it makes, like, King stuff is so relatable to a lot of people. Being that, like, the horrors aren't going on in Transylvania up in some castle with some British folk or anything like that. The horrors are next door. The, her- the horrors are these, like, and the characters in his books are, like, blue-collar people. And I think that's what, like, he, like thrives on and connects with a lot of people mm-hmm. you know through those things but yeah i figured we'd hit some themes and stuff as we're going through this plot yeah so there's two scenes i'm going to talk about that are kind of back to back where uh you get an actual look at some of the other that you realize it's not just one tentacle creature out there that there's a lot of other different creatures somehow right um so there are these sort of big huge mutant killer moths or mosquito type things that are drawn to the the lights by the way night. that scene pissed me off because i'm like turn off the fucking dude, lights, I, dude i had that written in my notes i'm like turn the fucking lights off dummies yeah. <laughs> so those start to congregate you know they they start to you know fill up the windows uh and which of course attracts a bigger predator uh-huh. flying predator it almost looks like a mutant pelican or something but it's also very vicious it's and, like a pterodactyl uh yeah it's weird looking and then something that don yabara saw in texas no um, doubt. but anyway you know they breach the store the chaos ensues a bunch of people die from various things um and like one guy gets really badly burned because fire is one way they were able to you know kill some of the creatures and um so things calm down once they secure the store again from you know the flying creatures at night of course the religious lady at the you know amidst all this is you know, gaining more and more support from people because she's preaching that what's happening is, you know, this is God's wrath and we need, like, what did she keep saying? Ex- uh, There's a specific w- word she's using, but basically that, you know, we need to atone. Everyone, mm-hmm. like, this is God forcing us to atone. Uh, and she's building the blocks of, like, her big stance that comes later, which is that, you know, we need to start sacrificing one by one, sacrificing so we can make it through the night until God has de- has determined that that's enough. Now, and even, he will set us all free or whatever. But I even enjoyed like um, like the subtlety of like, and you, it, it's one of those like where if you blink, you miss it. But Darabon does like a great thing, like a great um, idea of showing that like not everyone is on the same page because like we said, it, it was frustrating because they had the lights on at the front of the store. And then they have lights at the back of the store as well. So you have some people turning off the lights at the front of the store, but then the others are turning on the lights in, in the, the back, back of the store mm-hmm. while those lights are going off. So yeah. you're like, and he's it's drawing uh, the creatures. Yeah. In. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even like, I think it's the mechanic that's like, wait, are lights on or off? Like, you know, nobody's really like making the call or whatever. Yeah. I think one of the big problems that happened, you know, with this group 
from the jump was they immediately formed small groups and every every small group in the class is is making their own you know right plan instead of everyone congregating together you know and figuring out strategies together but anyway regardless this kid's really badly burned um and they're like the people with hearts people who care um and aren't like, you know, sorry he got burned. We got to stay in here and just wait for him to die. He's screwed. We don't have supplies here to help him. Um, well, there's a pharmacy next door. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of people. David, one of them. He's always in the mix of everything, even though he has a kid. Like, to me, I would have been stuck with my kid, period. I never would have left my kid's side. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that um, was heartbreaking when, um, oh, what was the kid's name? Billy. Billy. Billy begged him to go, and he went anyway. I don't know. I couldn't do <laughs> yeah, that. Billy's yeah, Billy's like, please, Dad, no. Yeah. Like, Billy's traumatized to the to the gills and his dad's just like stay with this lady you don't know uh, <laughs> i'll be back sure everyone else everyone like you like are watching die like i won't die though son anyway uh yeah. so like they form a band of people who then go to the pharmacy you find out there are mutant spiders uh, who which, are which laying, that's their, one of the laying most... their eggs in people's bodies and there's a really important scene mm-hmm. within that where you see one of the military guys is this what you were about to get to oh yeah you want to talk about it? I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, so I love this reveal, and it's one of the scariest scenes of the movies because I fucking hate spiders. Um, <laughs> but they're going through this pharmacy, and no one like ever looks up because it's like it, it is like all dark and shit, and you know, in the mist and stuff. But they come across; they're getting all kinds of pills and stuff, and I'm like, that's probably what I'd be doing. I'd be loading up on some painkillers, ready to <laughs> ready to go Rambo. You know, like, hey, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna go out fucking swinging. But, like, they come across this MP guy, and he's, like, all webbed up and shit, and the effects are really, really cool, and he keeps keeps on saying, like, it's our fault, and I'm sorry, and stuff. And at this moment, he, he kind says, of... I feel, he said, I feel them coming. I feel them inside Oh, God damn. Yeah. And at this moment, he starts, like, bubbling from his chest and shit, at, at which point spiders start coming out of his head. That was awesome. Dude, it, it, it looked great. He fell over, and it, spiders just burst from his body. That's yeah. probably the best scene in the movie. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree. Yeah, and then they... It's the most creepy, like, it gives you that creepy like feeling under well your for people like you trav i mean it, it it classic arachnophobia dude it like <laughs> it made me like itch and like squirm man well, didn't, i hated that is, shit didn't wasn't there a time when you were at work and there was like a spider with like a big sack on its back yeah and one of you guys stomped on it and like baby spiders came spilling yeah one of my friends like stomped on it and baby spiders went all over his shoe like and he Ugh. had to take his shoe off That'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Spiders bother you? No. Not at all? What? Oh, my God. I fucking can't stand them. So that is one of your, like, pretty much damning evidence that the government has unleashed this. But you don't know how or why at this point. Mm -hmm. But the guy, the, the group of people who survived going to the pharmacy make it back and they're and by this time the burned guy dies anyway um people are starting to commit suicide with whatever pills they had on them like that lady that was helping billy Mm -hmm. killed herself and um the religious woman miss carmody is getting people truly whipped up she's got a like they called it a congregation she has uh, converted almost everyone you know it's kind of like it's kind of david's fault in a sense because it's like 
you're constantly taking these people away where she has the floor and like can get her hooks into the rest of these people and stuff. And so she is controlling a mob at this point. Oh, yeah. Total mob mentality. Yeah. And so she says, um, after she finds out from David's crew um, that the military guy said, like, we did this. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a young, just a private you know, he doesn't know really anything. He's just heard rumors. Like, he was supposed to be out on leave. Like, he didn't even know, like, what was going on. This just happened. And he's so young. And he's from the town. Everyone knows him. Uh, and she makes him basically a scapegoat. And she, she's like, orders the mob to pull him out here. Pull him out. Bring that him out. That fucking butcher they, guy that looked like Rob. Yeah, they put him in, in this big circle surrounded by people who are screaming mad at him. And um, she forces him to you know say what he knows and he he basically reveals yeah at the arrowhead project all the scientists did it not us it's not me it's all the scientists they opened a portal to another dimension Mm -hmm. that let all these creatures into their world Mm -hmm. um and that's where you get you know the answers that you're looking for but um she basically tells the mob that god wants us to sacrifice this kid basically Mm -hmm. um and so you've got these crazy big dudes like butcher looking guys or like i don't know they're just like big meathead men enforcers and uh they're stabbing this poor kid and that scene is fucked up and there's obviously there's people with humanity who are like don't do this they're trying being held back by others um so they're not even able to really stop what's going on and they put this poor kid out this is a pretty heartbreaking scene frankly they put him out in the mist and he's begging them to stop he's covered in blood because he's like holding his wound and um he puts his hand on the window and it's like begging to come back in and then he gets whipped away this fucking giant praying mantis looking thing (laughs) like snaps him up (laughs) yeah she calls it the beast miss carmy calls it the beast um and she's made it this biblical thing now um but yeah, so after that, this this small group of people um, that are remaining are like, we got to get out of here because we're going to be the next people that she sacrifices. Because we've, we've had her number from the jump and she knows it. We're, she wants to get rid of us. And this is the cool thing, like we mentioned earlier, where the humans become more scary than the fucking whatever is in the mist. And that's the group mm-hmm. that I'd probably be in as well. Like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, th- this shit is going sideways, like, fast. Man. Yeah, the critical thinkers are the... F- first one and the academics are the first ones they're trying to fucking get rid of but they their plan to get out quietly has been foiled by miss carmody who of course has in the night sort of taken away their supplies and uh, organized a bunch of people (laughs) against them and she's basically like give us your boy you're not taking him out there give us your boy um and of course david's not letting that happen Mm -hmm. and they escape essentially they get out um this is the applause-worthy part of the film when she gets fucking shot. In yeah, the head. Ollie King, absolute king. He <laughs> shoots. Uh, they have a gun, by the way, with only mm-hmm. so many rounds. Uh, and Ollie shoots Miss Carmody just before they leave, uh, basically to get everyone in line to let them leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's so sad is Ollie just has this beautiful heroic moment where he kills that bitch. And then he gets out, he gets, fucking he gets out to the car and he's opened all the doors to this car. He's like, come on guys, get in. He's so proud of himself. And they're just looking up and he gets killed by this beast. Like immediately <laughs> it's, it's so tragic. And then, you know, the only people who survive getting out of there and into the Jeep or Land Rover, whatever it is, um, are David, his son, Billy, the, 
young blonde teacher and the two old people. So the original guy who told everyone there was something in the mist and the older female teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically, their plan is to drive until they run out of gas and they're trying to outrun the mist if they can. Um, and they're just like, I'd rather die trying this way than mm-hmm. die back in that store. At this point, you yeah. see like the giant, like kind of, it looks like one of the old ones of a Cthulhu or mm-hmm. one of those, like a walk past kind of like a, it looked like fucking Rippy. It's, shaking, it's shaking the ground. Yeah, it's um, fucking huge. It's just uh, War of the Worlds big, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's one I liked because it's silhouetted within mm-hmm. the mist and you don't actually see the details of it. So it's like almost more scary because you don't I know what it is. I thought it looked like one of those Star Wars. Yep. Oh, the walkers? Yeah, it kind of did. It yeah. kind of did. Good call. All right, so they run out of gas and shit. Yep. Let's get to this um, this heartwarming I'm going to let you tell it. I, would, I should say. I so, Oh, my God. I'm kidding. So they get to this like point in the road where they're like, we hear monsters outside. We have four bullets. There's five of us. Like, what the fuck do we do? Now, you two are parents. What... Does he make that? I, I can't even imagine making that choice. So even leading up to that, here's what made me mad about the ending of this movie, not okay. just what we're getting ready to talk about. But you went through all that shit in the store. You went to the farm. You did all these things to get out of that store and get in your truck. And okay, your plan is to outdrive the mist. It didn't work out for you. You ran out of gas. But now you're just going to sit in the truck and... You're, you don't get out of the truck and keep going? That you know is what I mean? true, yeah. That is true. I'm like, get out of the fucking truck and start walking. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that they had discussed previously, or along this drive, they had discussed, probably when Billy was asleep, that if they run out of gas and they're still in the mist and these creatures are still out here, that they'd rather kill themselves or die than be ripped to shreds in this really violent way by one of these creatures and eaten and or their body for instance turned into a incubator (laughs) yeah um for yeah which would be extremely painful way to die right yeah and i think they agreed and they just didn't realize that they wouldn't have enough bullets for everyone Mm -hmm. um that was like that was the whole you know trick of fate right where they only had there's five of them what one two yeah, yeah, there yeah, there's are five. five of them. And there's only four bullets, uh, and they agree. The adults agree, and that you know, it, David's willing to sacrifice himself. He's like, you know what? I will do this. I'll take you guys out, and I will, you know, I will be ripped. Get apart. Eaten. I'll I'll be ripped apart or whatever the creatures want to do to me. I'll I'll take that burden on. Um, and he doesn't want his son to suffer in that way. Um, again, this is. There's so much unknown still, but like their assumption is like we're done. For and it. you can hear monsters like screeching and shit. Yeah. Distance, but shouldn't you know? the big thing, the world of worlds thing yeah. coming over the shouldn't that have been a clue that maybe things were gonna get better? I don't I don't know, man. I just know that what happens. And I don't know. I maybe I would have done the same thing. I don't think I would have been capable of shooting my own kid. Mm-hmm. I think he in his heart, obviously, he thought he was doing the right thing. Um, but the sad thing is they have the directing choice to have Billy wake up, look his dad in the face <laughs> in damn. terror, 
and then have his dad shoot him like yeah. that you don't see it you just you're outside of the car and you hear a pop 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 so pop. how about a logical approach to this mm-hmm. because if i'm in that car and i'm i'm david i'm thinking okay let's think about this logically old dude that was the first victim you don't have too many years left on earth. So if shit goes downhill, we want you to step outside the vehicle and sacrifice yourself. And then old lady, you're next. One of the oldies should have done it. Like he shouldn't have had to live with the, or he shouldn't have had to kill his own son. Like one of them should have stepped up. Frankly, I agree with you. Sure. If that, if this is the solution, then that's what should have happened. Wait, so you're saying uh, one of the oldies should have got out of the car. They should have tried to hold on a little longer and see what happened. Mm -hmm. And and then been like, hey, old man, um, you know, when we see tentacles, you're getting out. (laughs) (laughs) When we see tentacles. I don't know. I mean, in like, hindsight's 2020. Like, we know that, you know, of course, this is the most tragic part. Yeah. He gets out and he's screaming for the creatures. So he's like, kill me, please kill me. I can't live with what I've just done. Please just kill me. Take me out. This is too painful. And no creatures are coming. And then the mist miraculously, like all of a sudden in that moment clears and you see military tanks and vehicles saving people and going out of town. Uh, clearing and, it all up. Yeah. And they're clearing up all the creatures. Which that's know. probably actually the first time ever in in truth real life or fiction that the government shows up and says hey we're here to help yeah yeah no shit (laughs) oh the government like what i think would have been a better ending is the government shows up and like puts a bullet in him too probably well yeah because they're trying to cover up that it ever even happened that's probably what would have really happened (laughs) (laughs) but i mean obviously that that's the tragedy of it all Mm because then he like he's just screaming and these military guys are standing here like what what's wrong with this guy we don't know like um, and that is where it ends. Um, and <laughs> Military I don't know, guys I, are like calling him a puska and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like they know this uh, town really well. Like, why at no point, like, this is, did they like, try to, you know, create a strategy where, like, okay, we're going to, we know that the ga- there's a gas station here. Let's go see if, like, kind of like in Dawn of the Dead, you know, mm-hmm. when they need something, they create a plan and they're like okay these are the people who are going to go out and try to get the gas and whoever if we get it great you know whoever survives survives and then the rest of us will keep on going like they just literally drive until they run out of gas yeah i had that thought too i think one of the first things i would have done was check the gas gauge and then form you know figure out where the gas station is yeah Mm -hmm. and figure out how like how can we like sort do you is there a gas can in the trunk like what what can we do here Mm-hmm. Um, or at least like, can we fill up along the way? These, this is like civilized society where there's gas stations along the road, like, and they've lived here their whole lives. They ought to know where they are. You know what I'm saying? And that's why you should always fucking fill up your tank. Cause you don't know if a mist is going to roll in and you're going to have to fucking outrun it. And shit. Yeah. And they have to go super <laughs> slow. So they're like burning gas, like really bad. Yeah. Dude, what if this film was made today and we had EVs? How would they charge their vehicle? Man. Ooh. It wouldn't. Well, a lot of them are hybrids now, aren't they? What the Teslas and shit? A lot of the are are they are they not like hybrid at all? They're just well, the electrical electric shit would pure. be all fucked up because um, I think in a deleted scene, I think the the reason this portal got opened is because they were like fucking with it, and um, they chose not to include this, by the way. But it, it, it was supposed to begin with them like fucking with a portal, like they're doing at CERN right now, and then a, a lightning strike like hits hits like inside the base and mm-hmm. like creates the fucking hole or the doorway or whatever uh-huh. um but yeah so i don't so that's know that's why the synopsis says that the storm brought them 
because yeah. I never that never made sense to me because I was like the storm didn't the cause storm this. just fucked it all up yeah the government were, did this <laughs> yeah but obviously you can't spoil it yeah the sense. yeah I don't know man I would have probably sat in a car for like and and, and I get it hindsight's twenty twenty but I'm like that wouldn't be my first move is to like shoot us all like I'd be like all right let's sit here until the fucking monsters come. Uncle Greg, if it's you and like little boy Garrett, are you, like what are you doing in that situation? Oh, like, I'm gonna continue. You're to gonna fight. you're gonna try to find a yeah. way to help him survive, right? Yeah. Like I just can't picture myself one being capable of pulling the trigger on my kid when they're looking me in the eye, or two, just giving up after I've done all of that. I just don't. That is a good point that I didn't think of. You were like they went through all that shit, like and. This is what they. This is what it the plan was really. Was. It, I, I mean, obviously Stephen King's awesome. He knows what the hell he's talking about. But I got to disagree with him. That ending sucked. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's tragic, and I think it's it's something some people might do. It is ballsy. It's ballsy as fuck. Like maybe after all of that, they really were ready to just like I'd rather just give up. Mm-hmm. Take me out. I don't want to live in a world that's like this. And they just they they assume they knew. And I think that gets at some of the themes of this, which of this film, which are like this whole idea of like religion and what comes after mm-hmm. and people in like certain religions claiming they know what comes after. Um, whereas like you're kind of in this situation and the myths can kind of represent that unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got crazy lady in the grocery store saying she knows based on what nothing. She says she's a prophet and she has a line to God. Mm-hmm. And there's people in life that in, in, in our world who are doing that. Like, look at the FLDS people. Mm-hmm. Like, they all, their little prophets have a line to God. And then they... Jim Jones represents. Straight right. out Andy. Um, exactly. And it's all in the name of, like, God, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big thing. And I, I was reading um, some people's interpretations of the ending. Like, ours seems to be all in pretty in line. It was just, like bad decisions you know hindsight's 2020 but it's tragic nonetheless like it's tragic um and some people are saying like the the fact that the mist cleared right after he did that um these are people who are pretty dark-minded i think Mm -hmm. Um, this is not my i didn't think of this on my own (laughs) but they're like what the movie is saying is that miss carmody was right and that for David to be absolved and to like kind of be saved by uh, God, he had mm. to he had to atone by killing those people, mm-hmm. um, and including his own son. Probably was the key, um, and I don't like that interpretation personally. <laughs> I think it's really messed up. But that is some, dark as fuck. But some people but... say like maybe that's a message in this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I think it's a stretch. I think someone just wanted to. I think the director probably just wanted to. He was like, what's the saddest thing I could think? Mm-hmm. what's the most heart-wrenching thing i could think of i don't know if this guy's a dad or not the director but killing kids in movies you don't see it happening a lot mm-hmm. and it's because yeah. it because it elicits such a strong response from people and we've had two in a row in which we uh mm-hmm. have seen dead kids yeah. in movies thanks for that and uh yeah it's been awesome <laughs> okay so we've talked about the mist for a long time now i want to go around and give our final rating out of five for the mist uh uncle greg let's start with you i would go with a four all right just because there were a couple things within the movie itself that i i didn't like Mm -hmm. 
the you, end, the ending obviously being number one. So would you have went for a more like ambiguous ending, like uh, maybe they're just in the car and they're in the mist, and then the movie ends, or? Well, it again, it just seemed to me like the whole time they were, you know. Uh, fight, 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 resist, resist, resist. And then at the end, it's like, oh, five of us are sitting in this truck and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's True. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Would you have liked it more if it was like a happy ending and they all got saved? No, I would have no. fucking hated that. So it sounds like <laughs> we, it sounds like we, like y'all would have probably maybe preferred a, that ambiguous ending of like they're in the car and you don't know what's going to happen next and it's left to your imagination to think of what may happen next yeah or just have the car drive off through the mist Mm -hmm. you know like like out of town Mm -hmm. i will say this i would have preferred um the fact that the military rolls in and shit i i don't care for i would have preferred like him getting destroyed by monsters and shit like Mm -hmm. i would have preferred that like okay it's still messed up kind of thing (laughs) well the Trav's military like, adds a like, tragic I, angle, though, yeah. to it. Trav's like, I want to see the kid ripped. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you want to see little Billy get drawn and quartered. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. so, yeah, all the bullets go to the adults, and then Billy's left in the car. And then the movie ends. That'd be killer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Kate, no, uh, how I, would you rate the um, the mist? Um, For me, I don't know, probably like a three, between three and four, three and a half. Wow, you we'll hate call, this movie. We'll call it three. No, that's a good rating. Three and a half <laughs> out of five, I think. Um, just because I think I have issues, obviously, with the special effects. Like, don't mm-hmm. hold up very well. And there are things they could have done. <laughs> there are things they could have done. Like, look at the mm-hmm. movies from the 70s as evidence that, like, you can make this look good for decades, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever. They made a choice. But, and the story is strong, the character work, like, the reason I gave it, like, kind of a lower score than I normally give to Stephen King stuff uh, is not necessarily even the the ending. I think the ending is super tragic in that it's one burned in my mind. Like, I'll always remember that. Um, but it's, I don't enjoy watching this. It's stressful mm-hmm. to me in a way that's not, like... You know, it's not that like roller coaster, you know, kind of feeling that's enjoyable about some movies. Like, for instance, we just watched Nope, and like, like we loved the suspense of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was fun, um, and and it kind of got your heart pumping in a way where you're like, oh, I like, I like it. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of horror films that are like super like scary to me that I get that feeling and that's why they get higher ratings. This one is just, it's tragic. And the whole time I'm frustrated um, with the characters. Like Uncle Greg said, I'm wanting to like yell at the screen and be like, you idiots. Um, It makes me feel very like. Ooh, a storm coming in. Well, it just. As we're ending this recording. Oh yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's raining. Um, But no, I just hate that by the end of this film, I'm feeling so like frustrated and just feeling a lot of lack of hope in humanity mm-hmm. i don't like films that make me feel that way <laughs> like see i do it's hard enough yeah. out here without having without having a film like reminding you of the way things are yeah and yeah and we got in we got into not an argument but i was just like oh yeah people are bad like for sure people are bad like after our last recording um <laughs> i would give this like a four to a four and a half out of five like I, I think it's really uh really strong um i gotta say just before we wrap up where do you think that this how would you rank this among like the top tier Stephen King adaptations, like The Shining, Carrie, 
um, how would you put this? Where would you put this as far as like, is it up there with the Shinings and the Carries and the Salem's Lots and Shawshank? Oh, I don't think so. No? No. Is it like mid-tier, you think? No, I think just the ones that you blurted out there are better than this movie. This is still a good movie. Mm -hmm. But obviously I'm somewhat of a King fan, so when you talk, I love Carrie. Oh, Carrie's one of the best, yeah, yeah. best movies of yeah, the 70s. And mm-hmm. Shawshank is yeah. on a whole nother level, even yeah. above that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, I don't know. The Mist was good, but it's not Shawshank or Carrie good. Or, yeah, fair. it's not The Shining. It's not, yeah. Yeah, and definitely not The Shining. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would Dude, tend to agree. Dude, that movie scared the shit out of me. So, I, w- I would say The Mist is mid-tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know when all of the king film like i haven't seen what's it christine or whatever that's called christine yeah. is that about the car mm-hmm. i haven't seen that one was that about the car yeah no I, yeah I, the john I'm carpenter just, movie too. i'm just saying there's just ones i haven't seen so i can't like i don't know how things rank you know mm-hmm. because i've only seen what i've seen but that's fair yeah i'd put this like mid to upper tier um but yeah four to four and a half out of five for me i really really dug it, it it's like one of my favorite types of movies where People are in, people are stuck somewhere and they have to kind of like work together or not work together to try to figure shit out because there's something out there. There's something in the nest. You know, what we you didn't know? even mention is that this is like the plot of Stranger Things. <laughs> like, oh, dude, Stranger the Things rips the off government, Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the government's crazy. messing around and they yeah. open a portal or, or a portal gets opened mm-hmm. uh, in the process to another dimension where those like, creatures from that dimension are really violent and scary and they get into our world that's a pretty much like the oh the duffer thing. brothers like steal yeah. from king and coons i i say steal but they really have kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd also didn't mention the real life experiments on montauk project uh that directly influenced uh, I'm gonna, anyway i'm about to really yeah. anyway <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Uncle Greg, so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure that you will make your return to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks, as always, to the theme queen mm-hmm. herself. Um, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horrifying My Friends and on Twitter at Horrifying MF. Also, hit me a line at Capped Creature on Twitter and on the TikTok. Have a misty week and beware <laughs> of what's in the mist. <laughs>